Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We're continuing with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and as usual for this book, trigger warning, the past was the worst, and there's a lot of language in this book that should never have been used, but was acceptable back then. Um, yeah. So, of course, as usual on this channel, the audio shall be ducked to essentially bleep it, but if you find that sort of language triggering or disturbing in any way, potentially go and listen to another book, like Frankenstein or Dracula, where you get just a nice story about friends trying to take down a vampire, or a good story about parenthood and how you should take care of your kids. <laughs> That's my Frankenstein take. Anyway, we're on chapter 23 and let's get started. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain Chapter 23 Well, all day, him and the king was hard at it, rigging up a stage and a curtain and a row of candles for footlights. And that night, the house was jammed full of men in no time. When the place couldn't hold no more, the duke, he quit tending to the door and went around the back way and come onto the stage and stood up before the curtains and made a little speech and praised up his tragedy and said it was the most thrillingest one that ever was. And so he went on a bragging about the tragedy and about Edmund Cain, the elder, which was to play the main principal part in it. And at last, when he got everybody's expectations up high enough, he rolled up the curtain and the next minute, the king come a-prancing out on all fours, naked, and he was painted all over, ring streaks and striped, all sorts of colors, as splendid as a rainbow. And, but never mind the rest of his outfit, it was just as wild, but it was awful funny. The people most killed themselves laughing, and when the king got done a-capering and capered off behind the scenes, they roared and clapped and snorted and haw-hawed till he come back on and done it all over again. And after that, they made him do it another time. Will it make a cow laugh to see the shines that old idiot cut? Then the duke, he lets the curtain down and bows to the people and says the great tragedy will be performed only two nights more on account of press and London engagements, where the seats is all sold for it already in Dury Lane. And then he makes them another bow and says that if he has succeeded in pleasing them and instructing them, he will be deeply obliged if they mention it to their friends and get them to come and see it. Twenty people sings out, What? Is it over? Is that all? The Duke says, Yes. Then there was a fine time. Everybody sings out, Sold! And rose up mad and was a-going for that stage and them tragedians. But a big, fine-looking man jumps up on a bench and shouts, Hold on! Just a word, gentlemen. They stop to listen. We are sold. Mighty badly sold. But we don't want to be the laughing stock of this whole town, I reckon. And never hear the last of this thing as long as we live. No. What we want is to go out of here quiet and talk this show up and sell the rest of the town. Then we'll all be in the same boat. Ain't that sensible? You bet it is. Now, Judge is right, everybody sings out. All right, then. Not a word about any sale. Go along home and advise everybody to come and see the tragedy. Next day, you couldn't hear nothing around town but how splendid that show was. The house was jammed again that night, and we sold this crowd the same way. When me and the king and the duke got home to the raft, we all had a supper, and by and by, about midnight, 
They made Jim and me back her out and float her down the middle of the river and fetch her in and hide her about two mile below town. The third night, the house was crammed again, and they weren't newcomers this time, but people that was at the show the other two nights. I stood by the duke at the door, and I see that every man that went in had his pockets bulging or something muffled up under his coat, and I see it weren't no perfumery neither, not by a long sight. I smelt sickly eggs in the barrel and rotten cabbages and such things, and if I know the signs of a dead cat being round, and I bet I do, it was sixty-four of them went in. I shoved in there for a minute, but it was too various for me. I couldn't stand it. Well, when the place couldn't hold no more people, the duke, he gave a fellow a quarter and told him to tend the door for a minute, and then he started around for the stage door. I after him, but the minute we turned the corner and was in the dark, he says, Walk fast now, till you get away from the houses, and then shin for the raft like the dickens was after you. I done it, and he done the same. We struck for the raft at the same time, and in less than two seconds, we was gliding downstream, all dark and still, and edging towards the middle of the river, nobody saying a word. I reckon the poor king was in for a gaudy time of it with the audience, but nothing of the sort. Pretty soon he crawls out from under the wigwam and says, Well, how'd the old thing pan out this tune, Duke? He hadn't been uptown at all. We never showed a light till we was about ten mile below that village, and then we lit up and had supper, and the king and the duke fairly laughed their bones loose about the way they'd served them people. Greenhorns flatheads. I knew the first house would keep mum and let the rest of the town get roped in, and I knew they'd laid for us the third night. I consider it was their turn now. Well, it is their turn now, and I'd give something to know how much they take for it. I would just like to know how they're putting in their opportunity. They can turn it into a picnic if they want to. They bought plenty of provisions. Them rapscallions took in $465 in that three nights. I never seen money hauled in by the wagon load like that before. By and by, when they was asleep and snoring, Jim says, Don't it surprise you the way them kings carried on, Huck? No, I says, it don't. Why don't it, Huck? Well, it don't because it's in the breed. I reckon they're all alike. But, Huck, these kings aren't as regular rapscallions. That's just what they is. They's regular rapscallions. Well, that's what I'm saying. All kings is mostly rapscallions, as far as I can make out. Is that so? You read about them once. You'll see. Look at Henry VIII. This is a Sunday school superintendent to him. And look at Charles II and Louis XIV and Louis XV and James II and Edward II and Richard III and 40 more. Besides all them Saxon hectarchies that used to rip round so in old times and raise cane. My, you oughta seen Henry VIII when he was in bloom. He was a blossom. He used to marry a new wife every day and chop off her head the next morning. And he would do it just indifferent as if he was ordering up eggs. Fetch up Nell Gwynn, he says. They fetch her up. Next morning, chop off her head. They chop it off. Fetch up Jane Shore, he says. And she comes. Next morning, chop up her head, and they chop it off. Ring up Fair Roseman. Fair Roseman answers the bell. Next morning, chop off her head. And he made every one of them tell him a tale every night, and kept that up till he had hogged a thousand and one tales that way. And then he put them in a book and called it a doomsday book, which was a good name in state of case. 
You don't know kings, Jim, but I know them. And this old rip of iron is one of the cleanest I struck in history. Well, Henry, he takes a notion that he wants to get up some trouble with this country. Well, how's he go in it? Give notice? Give the country a show? No. All of a sudden, he heaves all the tea in Boston Harbor overboard and whacks out a declaration of independence and dares them to come. That was his style. He never gave anybody a chance. He had suspicions of his father, Duke Wellington. Well, what'd he do? Ask him to show up? No. Drowned him in a butt of mamsie, like a cat. Suppose people left money laying around where it was. What'd he do? He collared it. Suppose he contracted to do a thing, and you paid him, and didn't sit down there and see that he done it? What'd he do? He always done the other thing. Suppose he opened his mouth. What then? If he didn't shut it up powerful quick, he'd lose the lie every time. That's the kind of a bug Henry was. And if we'd had him along instead of our kings, he'd have filled that town a heap worse than Arne done. I don't say that Arne is lambs, because they ain't, when you come right down to the cold facts. But they ain't nothing to that old ram, anyway. All I say is, kings is kings, and you gotta make allowances. Take them all around. They're a mighty ornery lot. It's the way they're raised. But this one do smell so like the nation, Huck. Well, they all do, Jim. We can't help the way a king smells. History don't tell no way. Now, the duke. He's a tolerable likely man in some ways. Yeah, the duke's different, but not very different. This man's a middling hard lock for a duke. When he's drunk, there ain't no nearsighted man that couldn't tell him from a king. Well, anyways, I don't hanker no more of them, Huck. These is all I can stand. It's the way I feel too, Jim. But we've got them on our hands. And we gotta remember what they are, and make allowances. Sometimes I wish we could hear of a country that's out of kings. What was the use to tell Jim these weren't real kings and dukes? It wouldn't have done no good. And besides, it was just as I said. You couldn't tell them from the real kind. I went to sleep, and Jim didn't call me when it was my turn. He often done that. When I waked up, just at daybreak, he was sitting there with his head down betwixt his knees, moaning and a-mourning to himself. I didn't take notice, nor let on. I know what it was about. He was thinking about his wife and his children away up yonder, and he was low and homesick because he hadn't ever been away from home before in his life. And I do believe he cared just as much for his people as white folks do for theirs. It don't seem natural, but I reckon it's so. He was often moaning and mourning that way nights when he just I was asleep, and saying, Poor little Elizabeth, poor little Johnny, it's mighty hard, I spec. I ain't never gwine see you no more. No more. He was a mighty good, Jim was. But this time, I somehow got to talking to him about his wife and young ones. And by and by, he says, What make me feel so bad this time is because I hear something old yonder on the bank, like a whack or a slam a while ago. And it mind me at the time I treat my little Elizabeth so ornery. She was only about four years old, and she took the Skylook fever and a powerful rough spell. But she got well, and one day she was standing around, and I says to her, I says, Shh, to do. She never done it. Just stood there, kind of smiling up at me, and make me mad. And I say again, mighty loud, I says, Don't you hear me? Shh, to do. 
she just stood the same way, kind of smiling up. I was a villain, I says. I lay, I make you mine. And with that, I fetch her a slap side of the head that sent her sprawling. And I went into the other room, has gone about ten minutes. And when I come back, there was that door, a standing open yet. And that child standing most right in it, a looking down and mourning, and the tears running down. My, but I was mad. I was a gwine for the child. But just then, it was that door that opened in us. Just then, long come to win and slam it to behind the child. Kablam! And my land, the child never move. My breath most hop out of me. And I feel so... So... I, I don't know how I feel. I crope out, all trembling. And I crope around and open the door, easy and slow. I put my head in behind the child, soft and still. And all of a sudden I says, Pow! Just as loud as I could yell. She never budged. Oh, Huck, I burst out crying and grabbed her in my arms and say, Oh, the poor little thing. The Lord Almighty forgive Paul Jim, because he never quite forgive himself as long he lived. Oh, she was plumb deaf and dumb, Huck. Plumb deaf and dumb. And I'd been a treating her so. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe because there is more to come. Um, my God, Jim has had a hard fucking life. Jesus Christ, like, you know, like, you're going to have, you're going to be treated like shit when you're a slave. But to then have all of those other things go on is just fucking horrendous. I think these two need to be rid of the, the Duke and the King as fast as possible. Um, I just have a feeling something's going to go terribly, terribly wrong. I hope it doesn't, but if you want to find out, join me in a couple of days with the next chapter. Once again, thank you very, very much for listening, and until next time, bye bye